0: God, and as we worship you this morning, as we respond to you, we remember what it cost you, Jesus. Remember what Friday meant for you. And God, we are kind of, I guess we're in shock, God, that Jesus, you'd be willing to go through that for us. But we say with everything in us, thank you. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for finding us in our condition and rescuing us, God. And, Today, God, we celebrate Your victory. We celebrate that we have nothing left to fear in death. And Jesus, as we just respond to You this morning, it's such a small thing, but God, it's our honest heart's response to You. And God, as we hear from You this morning, God, I pray that You'd speak to our hearts in a deep place, God, not in a uh, not in a typical place, not in a routine way. Are we going to listen? But God, we just. Stop everything, and we we let our hearts really listen to what you want to say to us today. In your name, Jesus, we love you. Thanks for being here. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you for singing.
1: Thursday was opening day for Red Sox baseball. Some of you guys are fully aware of that. And uh, it was it was a tough day for us for sure but it 's a big day it 's a day for for us as bostonians it 's a big deal. We get really, really excited about that um, here 's the thing for us as Christians, Easter is kind of like opening day for the Red Sox plus the World Series, plus Super Bowl, plus the Stanley Cup, plus Wimbledon, the summer and winter uh, Olympics all combined multiplied over and over and over again For us, Easter is a is a really really big deal and, and some of you are here because Easter's a big deal to you and then maybe some of us are in here because Easter's a big deal to somebody else who invited us and so we obliged them right and, and we came but but regardless we're really glad that you're here and and as a new church here's what we're trying to do we're trying to build a culture where you can come as you are again you don't have to clean up for Jesus he finds you right where you are we want to build a culture as a church where you can be loved and cared for and valued and served baggage and all that you come as you are you don't have to pretend that you have it all together we share our struggles we share our heartaches we share our questions about this and about about jesus and 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 when we do that we, we begin to see real progress in our faith rather than coming in here pretending like we have it all together and we don't have anywhere to progress we actually are honest and we're able uh, to progress so we we actually get somewhere my uh my younger brother, Nick, when he was growing up, he was that kind of kid that just completely honest, no filter, always spoke his mind. So, there, like, for example, I remember one time he, he told my grandma, he's like, you're old. Wow. And then it clicked. One time, one time he said, you're older than the speed limit. That's, that's old, right? <laughs> and so he, just, he, would just speak, he would just speak his mind. And uh, he was the kid who uh, he would come to church. Mom and dad would, would drag him to church. He would sit on the ground here kind of between the pews. And when the, the pastor, the preacher would ask rhetorical questions, he was the kid who would answer them out loud, right? And so like at one time the, the pastor was preaching this sermon about the value of church and how you all need to be at church. And so he said something along the lines of, Don't you really want to be here in God's house today? And my little brother goes, No, not really. No. <laughs> the little kid, he just didn't he didn't want to be here. I don't know if that's how you feel uh, today, but we wanna we wanna change your we wanna change your mind. And, and here's the thing with with Easter we are celebrating the, the truth that Jesus Christ lived perfectly, that he then died the death of a criminal in place of our, our sins, and then after three days later, he, he resurrected to life, defeating Satan's sin and death, and then offers life and life uh, eternally to anyone who would trust him and, and him alone. But there's a question, and, and it's a question that maybe even some of you came in here uh, today and, and you came in asking this question and maybe it's a question that the some of you would never ever say out loud in, in church like my brother uh, in, in fact it, maybe it's a question that we you know perhaps we all should be asking uh, today and and I'll go ahead and give it to you You ready for it here's the question some of you you come to church and, and you sit in here and the, the the pastor the preacher wherever you grew up going to church or wherever you've been he says something and do you ever just want to stand up and go, seriously? Are you, you believe that? You believe that a guy was dead, like dead, not out for 15 minutes and they massaged his heart and then he came back to, no, dead for three days and he came back to life. You ever just wanted to say, seriously, you, you, you really believe that? And, and I want us to ask that question uh, together this morning so let's jump into it in first corinthians 15 let's ask the question that my little brother would have been asking seriously do you believe that uh, the, uh, the apostle paul is talking to this church uh, in the the city of corinth and it's a church uh he's writing this letter to them a church that that uh, has some 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 struggles and some questions with this concept of of resurrection and so paul is defending it and so let's let's read verses one and, and two here he says now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And so he starts with, in verses 1 and 2, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel, right? I want to remind you of the, the gospel. And I love this, this word, remind. Because we need to understand that what I'm sharing with you guys this morning is not some kind of new news. It's not some kind of something that I'm excited just that it's like new and unpackaged for you. No, it is, it is ancient. This is not my word. You don't have to come in here and trust this guy. You get to trust this guy. You get to trust uh, the Lord. And so he says, I'm reminding you of something that's been established long ago, right? He says, let me remind you of the gospel. And the gospel is is. The, uh, another word for the good news, right, the good news of Jesus. And here it is. Here's the gospel in a nutshell, that, that Jesus comes to earth as a man. But why? He comes to earth as a man because the scriptures tell us that, that we're all sinful. And if we were to be really honest with ourselves, I think we could all kind of evaluate our own hearts to say, yeah, you know what? If I were to be real honest, I'm not perfect. I don't have it together. I, I, I'm sinful, right? And so the Bible says that because of our sin, we are, are dying because we were made to be eternal beings. And the wages of our sin against an infinitely holy, perfect, loving God who made us for relationship with him, the wage, the Bible says, that what we've earned because of that is separation from him. And because we are eternal beings, when we die, we die eternally, right? And so we're, we're, we're separated from God. But God doesn't leave us in that state of condemnation. He loves us. He made us for a relationship with him. And so he sends his only son, the Bible tells us, on a rescue mission. He says, I want you to step out of heaven. I want you to come into earth on the greatest rescue mission of all time. And I want you to save my people. Great love and great compassion of the Lord who could have said, done with you. I made you for me and you turn your back on me. But instead he says, I'm coming to save you. I'm going to send my only son. And he's going to be wrapped in human flesh, Jesus of of Nazareth. And, And he's going to live this life perfectly, sinlessly, and therefore be undeserving of death. But because we love you so much, I'm going to die for you. He's going to die for you. And his death on the cross is going to be in exchange for our death and death eternally uh, great theologians of old call it the great exchange that he substitutes his death for our eternal death his life for our life his righteousness for our un- unrighteousness and so then he, he dies but then he resurrects victoriously because he's God and death has no hold on God and so then if we would trust in him and trust in the work that he's done for us on the cross burial and resurrection we might be saved to life and, and, and life eternally. That's Jesus. That's what God has offered. That's what Paul says is the good news that I'm here to remind you of. To remind you of. Because here's the thing. I would imagine that many of us have at least heard of Jesus to an extent. I, I would imagine that, that for many of us, we've, We've kind of heard this idea of gospel, of needing Jesus, of Christians saying we're all sinful and and we therefore need Jesus. But my prayer is that this morning we would more than hear it. My prayer is that this morning we would place faith in it, that we would trust in it, that we would say, yes, I need that. I want to bank my entire life on this because this is good news. This is the best news. This is the best news of all time. I absolutely need it. And so, uh, as we get into it, I, I want to answer that big question. Seriously? Okay, the gospel says Jesus died and resurrected. Did that really happened? Could he really uh, rise from the dead? And so, let's, let's read on. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So, he says, Listen, he says, This is of first importance. This, this resurrection is of first importance importance in other words listen don't miss this don't miss this because without this everything else doesn't even matter he's kind of waving his proverbial arms and saying you got to get this you got to get this don't miss this verses three through eight let's keep going he says uh, i deliver to you as of first importance what i also received that christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, the apostle Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, some have died. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Paul says, I was kind of untimely born uh, when Jesus was walking the earth, I didn't, I didn't walk beside him. He said, in fact, he goes on and he, he persecuted and killed Christians, the guy who's writing this. So he was untimely born, but Jesus did show up to him and turn him from a murderer of Christians to uh, an incredible man of God and the greatest missionary of all time other than Jesus who came on that rescue mission for us. And he says, I, I want to remind you of the gospel, and I want you to, I want you to get these truths that are so foundational what this is here what we have here is the first real creed of the christian faith this is a an early creed of the church and we know that it's a creed because paul says i have delivered to you what i have also received and so we have this set of truths that are being passed down and passed off and and we also know that because he uses that word that he's setting up this unique structure that god did this that god did this That God did this. That God did this. And it has this kind of fourfold nature. The creed is this first formal summary of of the Christian faith. And they they phrased it concisely so that it was easy and memorizable. Uh, Some of you maybe grew up learning this creed. You've heard it before. They didn't want it to be forgotten. They didn't want it to be distorted. So they made it nice and simple summary of the truth of what Jesus has done. And, And these truths were taught and they were were recited and passed on. And so what we don't have is your classic game of telephone where, where somebody whispered it in his ear and it kind of goes around here and it comes all the way back. And by the time the truth gets here, it's just completely messed up. Now, what we have is it was condensed, this nice creed, memorizable. So if somebody starts to distort it, distort it they say, no, absolutely not. What are you talking about? This is, this is the truth. We've said it. Our family has said it. It's been very, very clear, Right. And so here we are 2,000 years later, and today we still deeply, fully believe in this creed because though culture changes, truth doesn't change. Truth is truth. And we have four major points of the creed that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures, and that he appeared to many, many people. And and these four points are very, very important to Paul. They're very, very important to us. Paul says in verse verse 3, I deliver to you. These that were of first importance. In other words, I taught you all kinds of things. And in this letter alone, uh, Paul's written many letters. But in this letter alone, he's taught all kinds of things. He's taught about marriage. He's taught about spiritual gifts. He's taught about the church. He's taught about Holy Communion. He's taught about unity and, and purity and the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, but this is of first importance. Because without this, all of that other teaching does not even matter. He says, this is of first importance. Because if... He didn't resurrect from the dead. We are worshiping a dead guy. And we might as well be worshiping unicorns because he's dead and there's no power. But if he's alive and well, then there's credibility here. And we better listen and we don't want to miss this, right? That's why a few verses down in verses 14 and 19, listen to what Paul says. In verse 14, he says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And our faith is in vain. He's like, if Christ is still dead, why am I even talking right now? Like, let's go home. Let's pack up, right? Verse 19, he says, if, if in Christ we have hope in this life only. So in other words, if, if Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead and we're not going to come to life eternally in him, we just have life and hope in this life only. In other words, the Christian faith is kind of this, this nice, convenient crutch and it works for us. And so if it helps you through your struggles and, and you're weak and you need it, that's good. He says, if, if that's all it is, if it's just hope for this life only, he says, in verse 19, we are of all people most to be pitied. <laughs> he says, this is pitiful. If, if this is just a crutch for us, and, and it's not true that he, he, he rose from the dead, he says, this is pitiful. What Paul's saying is, it happened. Seriously. It really, really happened. And so, for, for you, if, it, if it's your first time in the church here, um, I, I pray that, that if you leave rejecting this, I pray that you at least leave saying, these people really believe this stuff. I, I pray that you leave and say, Man, they are convinced and they're, they're passionate uh, about this, right? And so these, these later verses after the creed explain that, listen, if Christ didn't die and, and, and buried and, and rise from the dead, then this is just a cute little religious act that is a waste of our time and we could be doing something a lot better but he says no, this is real i seriously believe this he rose from the dead let's do this let's break the creed down four parts let's let's walk through it a little bit and I, I, and and this won't be entirely exhaustive for you of let's prove that he rose from the dead but hopefully as we walk through this creed we'll see some of the pieces that that make this uh true and 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 believable i think there's so many other things we could do we're going to walk through biblical evidence today we could also walk through circumstantial evidence we could also walk through a lot of historical evidence but i want to walk through some biblical evidence uh today Uh, the, the the first point here of the creed is that christ died for our sins in accordance to the scripture so i'll start by saying this that jesus while on this earth, repeatedly said, I will die, I will be buried, I will rise back to life like nobody ever has. And he said this often, he clearly believed it, or he was just crazy, but he at least believed it, and, and he was preparing his people for his resurrection. I want to emphasize this point, that, that he dies. We need to understand that, that he, he, he dies, right? And, and he really died, right? Some people say, "Well, no, he didn't really die. Yeah, yeah, they did see him for 40 days, but he didn't actually really die. And so some people will try to uh, disprove the crucifixion and say, oh, he never died. Uh, Muslims will do this. Many Muslims will say that he was, he was swooning. In other words, like, yeah, we can't really deny the crucifixion. Yeah, history will tell us that this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, was in fact crucified under Rome, but we can't deny that part. But he he didn't fully die, like he was just kind of hurt, kind of badly, and then he he was swooned for a while, and then he looked like he passed out, and he came back to life. Some Muslims will believe that. Christian scientists uh, will also uh, believe that, which is you know, Christian scientists are kind of funny. Um, I love them, but they're they're kind of funny because they're they're not really Christian, and there's not a lot of science involved, right? So it's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like buffalo wings. You know, there's not you're not really eating buffalo meat right? And they're not actually wings of anything. They're actually, you, you get it? It's just kind of interesting, right? And so, listen, Jesus died. He died, right? And, and if he didn't die and he just swooned and then kind of recuperated himself and came back, then we have a greater miracle than maybe even the, the resurrection itself, right? Because he went through all kinds of false trials, right? He went through all these trials through the night. He was then beat up by a mob, had a crown of thorns shoved on his head uh, according to the way that they, they would have done uh, um, crucifixion back then, history will tell us under Rome, that he would have been flogged. He was flogged with this thing called a cat of nine tails. It's a whip with leather strips coming off of it. At the end of the leather strips, there were little balls and rock to tenderize the flesh. On his back, and then there were hooks and shards of glass that when it hit his back, it was catch it and then it would pull back and rip the flesh off of his back. Many people died just from the blood loss and the shock of the flogging alone. And so he went through that. He then had five to seven inch nails uh hammered into his wrist and into his feet. And this is history. This is how they did uh crucifixion. This was their professional form of, of execution under Rome, like our electric chair or like our gas chamber, and the professional executioner would then uh, find this person on the cross, confirm not breathing any longer, and and pronounce him dead. But then, just to be certain, they would take a spear and shove it into the ribcage, into the heart, puncturing the heart sac. Fluid would come out. He was dead. Listen, we're not, we don't work like airplanes, We have a second engine, just in case. When your heart is punctured, it is over. He is dead. He has stopped breathing. And then they punctured his heart just to make sure he is gone. But if you want to hang on to the idea that, well, maybe he was still there. Maybe he was still barely hanging on. He just passed out and looked dead. Well, then they would have wrapped him in 100 pounds of linen strips, basically mummified him. And if he was still alive, he would have then suffocated to death. But then, if you're still thinking that maybe, maybe he could still be alive, then they would put him in a cold cave of a, of a tomb. If he was still alive, then he would have died of shock and blood loss, right? No medical treatment for, for three days, right? And it looked like to the profes, professional executioner, according to the gospel accounts, that he died because he did, in fact, Die. And so that's important. First piece of the creed that he died. It wasn't he had this hoax that, hey, I'm still alive. We didn't see you die. No, people saw him die. He died for our sins as a payment for our sins. And if we place faith in his death, we can be made right that he took on our punishment for us. The second part of the creed, uh, verse 4, is that Christ was buried. We need to understand that Christ he was He was buried the book of isaiah chapter fifty three verse nine will prophesy about this and say that he would be buried in in the, the the tomb of a rich person he would be buried among the rich in his death, but we know that jesus wasn 't rich; he was from this poor town of of Nazareth and when he was living out his ministry. He was homeless and poor throughout most of his ministry. He said the Son of Man didn't even have a place to lay his head, so he didn't have money to, to be buried among the rich. But the Gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the Gospels. They will tell us that this this wealthy man, one of his secret disciples, a guy named Joseph of Arimathea, stepped up and said, I'll give him my tomb. I, I, I believe this, Jesus, and I'm going to give him my tomb. My grandmother bought my family a uh, Many different burial plots. So we have the Wyatt football field with a big white cross in the middle of it where the family is going to be uh, buried. And Joseph of Arimathea was like Grandma Wyatt, thinking ahead and got his his tomb ready. And and then he goes and offers it to the disciples that, hey, you can put Jesus here. Now, Joseph of Arimathea was uh, a wealthy man, he was uh, educated, he was powerful, he was. In the Sanhedrin, which was for for the Jewish people was kind of like our Supreme Court, very respected, very well-known, very powerful, very successful. And so if those people who discovered the tomb of Jesus that was empty were wrong, because some will say... Oh, they found a tomb, but they just found an empty tomb, and they, were, they needed a Savior, so they kind of made it all up. Oh, look, he's alive, empty tomb. All they had to do is, is confirm, Joseph, is this your tomb? Everybody knew because of his success, because of his wealth, everybody knew where his tomb was that he had given to Jesus. And so it had to be confirmed. It would have been confirmed, and he's not there. He's resurrected. Also in that day, understand That they would have had this massive stone rolled in front of the tomb to to seal up the tomb. It would take about three men to roll that stone away. Not a barely hanging on, trying to recuperate, swooning dead guy to move that stone out of the way. Also, uh, the the scriptures tell us that there was a Roman seal on that tomb. In other words, it was this this ordinance from the Roman government, do not tamper with this. And then they put guards out in front. So this barely hanging on guy, if he hadn't died, would have had to move the tomb. He would have then had to go on and and Jackie Chan style, taken out a couple of the the Roman guards who would have been like the equivalent of our U.S. Marines. He would have had to taken them out and and, and then gone and, and found his disciples, right? Listen, Jesus died, and he was buried in a a place that was well-known, protected by Roman guards. And it wasn't some secluded, obscure place where his disciples and his followers could get together and kind of come up with this big conspiracy. It's not how it worked. He died. He was buried. And then praise God for the third point here. Look at verse 4, that Christ rose from the dead on the third day. Again, if he's still in the grave. He didn't rise from the dead. All this happened, and great, he died for us. Not a big deal if he's still in the grave. But our God, we believe, is alive. Verse 19, uh, if if he's still there, our faith is pitiful. But we believe that he rose. And notice verses 3 and 4 that it says, in accordance with the Scripture. In accordance with the Scripture. In other words, he's been saying this is coming. The Old Testament has been saying this is coming. And he fulfilled the prophecy to the letter. He fulfilled many prophecies about him to the letter. It wasn't the kind of thing that he could kind of get down and let's, let's work this out and let's, really, let's see how I can fulfill all the prophecies. It wasn't, it wasn't even possible for him to arrange it. But he fulfilled them to the letter even after his death. And so he's true and he died and he was buried and he resurrected. And then after the resurrection within maybe a, a, a few weeks, months, or at the most, one to two years, they decided to develop this, this creed that we're reading here today, verses 3 through 8. And this would have been a document and, and a piece of, of, of uh, a, a creedal piece that they would talk about among themselves um, to really solidify, this is what we saw. Let's nail it down. Let's confirm it. This is our creed. We saw him. And 2,000 years later today, we fully believe this creed. Protestants believe this creed. Roman Catholics believe this creed. Orthodox believe this creed. Those who claim the name of Christ, we believe that this is true, that this is not just some legend. This is not fairy tale or or folklore or a myth uh, like the Easter bunny. This This is serious. We really believe this. And, and, and some will say, well, the idea of the resurrection was, you know, yeah, Jesus was a good man, yeah, he died, but the idea of the resurrection was was really put together several hundred years later that then they said, oh, let's say that he, he, he resurrected and, and let's make a little more out of Jesus than actually was. They'll, they'll tell you that the followers kind of made up that that piece of the story to make it a little more extravagant and a little more worth devoting your, your life to. But this creed was put together long before um, – all of these people would have have passed away. This creed was put together shortly after the resurrection of Jesus while eyewitnesses were still alive. That's why they name these eyewitnesses here to say, go talk to him, go talk to him, go talk to her. He is alive. And so somewhere between A.D. 30 and A.D. 36, this creed was put together right after the resurrection of Jesus. Roman historians, these are Roman historians, like Josephus and and, and Sosthenes, these guys who who were paid by Roman emperors to to do history and to find out what's going on with this this guy, Jesus, who had been uh, killed. Roman historians record of Christians' extreme and radical faithfulness to this person, Jesus. Before uh, time for a false religion to kind of be worked together would have even been able to have evolved, the Christians were radically faithful. They were dying. They were being covered in pitch, tar, put on stakes, and lit ablaze as, as, as human torches in Emperor Nero's courtyard because they believed this stuff. They're not dying for a hoax. They're not dying for something that they sat around a table and said, let's make something really cool and leave a legacy. They're dying for something that they saw. We saw him. We believe this. Which brings us to the, the last piece of the Creed, verses 5 and 8. Go on and talk about the witnesses. Talk about that he appeared to many. And these people are very, very important. They're, they're, they're tremendously uh, important because they saw the resurrected Jesus. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus. And notice that they're all from different places in life. Some are young, some are old, some are rich, some are poor, male, female. Let me make a little point for you here is that, that females in that day couldn't even submit their testimony in court. It didn't matter. But Jesus appeared to them. Not because he, was, he, he wasn't trying to make a case for himself. He just was resurrected. But he appeared to them too. If he was trying to make a case for himself, he would appear to all the men and all the lofty, successful men. But he appeared to his people that he loved. And he appeared to rich, uh, poor, young, old, male, female. And the Bible says that he did that for 40 days, making sure that people um, knew that he was alive, his followers. He is alive. He is alive. He said he would be. And it starts to click. He's... He's alive, just like he said, I'm God, I'm in control, and I'm here. Now, in this day, there were no video cameras, no forensic evidence, and so eyewitness testimony was proof, factual. I mean, this was where it was at. And so to have hundreds, not a few, hundreds of witnesses to say we saw him alive is the Bible, the creed's way of saying, go interview them. They saw him. Their testimony will not conflict. He's alive. And so among, among the lists include, uh, we get these from the other gospel accounts, Mary Magdalene, Cleopas, another disciple, 10 apostles, 7 apostles at another occasion, all 12 apostles on, on one occasion, 500 people at one time, 500 people at one time. So some people say, well, they had this big, massive hallucination. And they drank the Kool-Aid and had this hallucination. Well, see, the people who drank the Kool-Aid, remember, they drank the Kool-Aid and then they all killed themselves. So we couldn't confirm, right? These people continued about the rest of their lives living for Jesus and so at some point if it was just a big hallucination or a hoax wouldn't somebody at some point say you know what that didn't happen you know what we were just somebody I mean, we watched Dateline NBC and 2020 right and you see these these cults and people eventually somebody comes out and says this is crazy here's what they did 500 people they would have, have got published. It would, it would have spread. They would have established this was false. And the creed would have just dissolved. But it's still here. We still believe it because it's true. And, and, and this, is, this is history. This is history. You can go check with them. It was verifiable. It was verifiable. I, I, I just want us to get this. I want us to latch onto this. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. And he resurrected. I want you to think about something else. If you, think about, if you think about all the other major world religions out there, the other major world religions out there that were formulated by a leader, you can go to that leader's tomb and there's a shrine to him, right? Abraham for Judaism and Hebron, you can go to Muhammad's, you can go to uh, Buddha, you can go to their places and there was a shrine. But for Jesus, there's nothing. Even if he died and just stayed there and didn't resurrect, wouldn't there at least be something? He was a phenomenal teacher. People were amazed and astonished at his teacher. In Palestine, there are 40 different shrines to religious teachers of that day. Wouldn't have there been something for the most famous man of all time, Jesus Christ? No, it, there's nothing because he's not there, because he's resurrected. He is alive and, and, and well. He is God. And, and, and the Bible believe confirms that and i believe history confirms it and there's plenty of circumstantial evidence uh, to confirm it you know the, the this creed that we're reading only gained steam from this point forward it just grew and grew and the christian faith the gospel message gained steam some of jesus's worst enemies when he walked this earth began to follow him even his brothers james and jude began to follow him listen for me to get my brother to worship me it would have to be a miracle, right? but they started to to worship him. They didn't follow him when he was on this earth. They didn't worship him when he was on this earth, but when he died and then they saw him alive, they began to worship even their own brother because it was clear that he was who he said he was. A huge number of, of, of Jewish people also historically started to worship on Sunday. You think back through history, some of you guys who have grown up in and around the church To get a church to change some kind of tradition that they've been doing for a long time, even if it's the color of the carpet, is a big deal, right? It's a big process. They got these people who have been worshiping God on the Sabbath, on Saturday, for hundreds, thousands of years. Now they're worshiping almost overnight on Sunday. There's some circumstantial evidence that, listen, it happened because Jesus resurrected on Sunday and they believed it. Hundreds and thousands of people refused to announce Jesus and and died for him. And the church grew and grew and grew and grew. And though there are some divisions among the Christians in the world today, one thing stands true. We believe this creed. We believe, verses 3 through 8, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that that he was buried, that he raised on the third day in accordance uh, with the scriptures, and that he appeared to many. So seriously, seriously, we, we do believe this and it's a step of faith but listen it's not a blind leap of faith this is an informed step that we can say yes i i I believe this nobody's proven him wrong he resurrected he is god and so i'll close with another question for you and that is what are you going to do with the resurrection what are we going to do with the resurrection see the claims of jesus are really really huge he says i rose to life and he says and i am the way the truth the life no one comes to the father no one is restored to right relationship with god the father but by me so he's the only way to be made right with god so he is perfectly just and he must judge sin but he's also perfectly loving and compassionate he made one perfect beautiful way and that was for you to trust in him and trust in what he's done and so what do you do with this as we close up today, I, I'm praying, we've been praying that you would say yes to Jesus, that you would say, listen, this is, this is something I believe, and I want to go after him, I want to follow him, I want to trust in his life, his death, his resurrection, victory over Satan, sin, and death. And so do you believe it? I pray that today you'll, you'll, you'll say yes to him. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite all of us to pray right now so we can close our eyes and just go before the Lord and if, if you're here and, and, you know, you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you understand that I need him because of my sin. Maybe you just want to pray out to him right now and make that decision that, yes, I believe and, yes, I want to follow you and I want to trust in what you've done. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. and It's not some magic word that will, will, will make you right with God and, and put you in a s- eternal security with him. What it is, is it's the the readiness and and, and the true intention of your heart that, yes, I love you. Yes, I want you. Yes, I'm following you. Yes, I'm trusting in you. And so if you want to give your life to Jesus right now, why don't you pray to him right now with a genuine heart. Mean it with all of your heart. Say, Jesus, I recognize that I need you because I've sinned against you. Today, I want to turn to you. I want to trust in you and what you've done on the cross so thank you for dying on the cross for my sin thank you for resurrecting to life and I want to put my life and I want to put my eternity in your hands now would you help me to live a life that honors you with you as my Lord my eternal father thank you god for the gift in jesus name amen amen you guys can look up at me listen if if in this moment you you gave your life to jesus and you just said yes to jesus yes i want to follow you yes i, I want to trust you listen paul says it's of first importance this was the biggest decision a person could ever make bigger than buying a home bigger than getting married bigger than where you're going to go to school bigger than having children this is the biggest decision a person uh, could ever make and so what we want to do as as a church is we want to help you to grow in that we want to help you to grow in that so in this time if you guys want to pull out those connection cards we're all going to pull those out maybe uh, if you gave your life to Jesus take a moment before we leave uh, and just let us know On, on the connection card here right in the middle it says I would like to trust in and follow Jesus Christ for the first time if that was you would you communicate that to us we just want to be able to help you and resource you and, and, and growing in that relationship because it's the biggest decision that you've ever made is to, to follow Jesus. And while you're doing that, I want to talk to the Christians real quick for a minute. Let me, let me say something to uh, the Christians in the room. Are you living for Jesus? Like, would somebody look at your life and say, seriously, you? You believe in that? There's no evidence of that in your life. You don't seem to really care so much about him. So Christians, listen, let's live like we believe this. See, we're in a culture today where it is so easy to just kind of half-heartedly be a Christian. And and the majority of the cultures in the world today and in the cultures of the scriptures, these people, if they proclaim the name of Jesus, they ran the risk of being killed. We have people today celebrating the risen Jesus in other parts of the world in caves, fearful of their lives. And so for us, it's easy to say, yeah, I believe in that, and not really live for it, and kind of carry that title Christian, but seriously, do you believe it? Do you seriously live for Him? And maybe as we, we close in a time of singing and worshiping, maybe you just want to talk to the Lord, pray to Him, confess it. You no, know, I haven't really been living like I I love you and living like I believe in you. Listen, the coolest thing is that our God loves you and He takes you back. He takes us back time and time again. Scriptures will say that we can fall seven times over and over and over and over and over and over over again. He keeps taking us back. So come home to Him. Don't hesitate out of shame thinking, well, He won't take me back. No, He will. He loves you like a father. He loves you like a father and He wants to take you back. So maybe... You need to talk to God and do some business with him as we close out in, in song. God, we love you. And we love you because you first loved us and you created us for a relationship with you. We're fully aware, God, of our sin and that we, in our sin, turned our back on you. And, and we said, I don't need you. I'm going to do it my own way. But, God, we thank you for your great love and your compassion. You don't wipe your hands of us. You became one of us. You died for you rose to life because death has no hold on you and you're sitting on your throne in control and we can trust you you have won you are victorious and we want to be attached to that power we want to be attached to you God thank you that we're not attached to a dead guy we're attached to the risen king Lord Jesus and so may we as Christians live in that power and live with confidence that what we're what we're doing what we're all about is about something that is true that is powerful that is life-changing mission shaping that you've given us a mission and a purpose on this earth May we be so mindful of that and god thank you for saving people in this room today that some people today said yes to jesus yes to the resurrection i want that lord would you help them grow them in their relationship with you that they might grow to be strong in you. They have a long way to go. We don't have it together. But I know that you, you love them and you want to help them to grow up in you. But thank you, Lord, that one thing is secure. They are your child. They are right with you and they are heading to eternity with Jesus. That we see you face to face again soon. So much sooner than we could possibly even imagine. So, God, may we not waste our time on this earth. May we live lives of faithfulness resurrected King Jesus. In
0: his name we pray. Amen.